Welcome to The 100 Podcast. It's Ed and Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we're joined by Jack Butler, who is covering the Trent Rockets as one of the ECB rising reporters. Jack, how you doing, mate? Yeah, all good. All good. Yeah, what we thought we'd do is we'd get you on and chat a bit about the Trent Rockets, because I think there's an interesting team. Both the men's and women's team are still kind of right in the playoff hunt, and I thought it'd be a good opportunity to chat all things Rockets. First of all, how's it been going to the games, writing about the games? It seems like a fun team to cover in general. Yeah, it's been a, an awesome kind of experience um, going up for the home matches um, as part of like the Rising Reporter um, group, which is obviously a lot of people, um, as well as like um, the reporters um, and people on the ground and stuff as well. Um, so people in with the teams doing content and there's the reporters as well. So there's a big group of us. I think mean, there's about 100 people um, in general. Um, and then there's eight reporters each going to like a different set of home matches. So I've been lucky enough to go to the Trent Rockets matches, um, which has been awesome. Yeah, they've been a, a really interesting team to cover. Um, yet to see the women win a match, um, even though they've won three. Um, so three without me one free with me lost it's it's not looking great at the moment yeah beautiful stuff let's start with the women's team then because obviously you haven't seen them win yet clearly you're a curse talk to us about the team balance because when we talk about the Trent rocket rockets women's side it does feel like they have five players and six fielders it doesn't feel like they quite have that kind of uncapped featured player that's I think that is what's hurting them. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, they're a really interesting team in general. Like They've got a lot of good um, cricketers. Like the, the international core from England is obviously Sarah Glenn, um, Catherine Brunt and Nat Siver. Um, but you're right, they are heavily reliant, I suppose, on you'd probably say six or seven players. If Catherine Brunt is coming in at four, she's an awesome cricketer, but that is already ringing alarm bells in the plightest kind of way of putting it. Um, but it's, it's an interesting one because the cricketers that you refer to as the fielders in inverted commas um, are good. Like they are very good players. Um, Lucy Heinemann is one that's very good and she bowled really well at Lords and hasn't bowled since. Um, so yeah, there is kind of a reliance on Sammy Joe Johnson, obviously with the bowling, Nat Siver with the bowling as well, Catherine Brunt. And that's all of those three are also batting in the top four. Um, which is a very interesting dynamic for a, for a way a team set up. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of good cricketers, but you're right, it is, it is yeah, a bit of a, an interesting lineup to say the least. Talk to us briefly about some of those players that maybe we don't know then, Jack, because it, obviously they have Catherine Runter for on that silver at three, Sammy Joe Johnson opening the bowling and batting. But Lucy Hyam, as you said, bowled well. Yeah. Do you think they're using their resources correctly? Because Emily Winter, again, a perfectly decent batter, definitely got some talent there. Do you think they're using their resources correctly? Because it feels like they're just not making the most of the talent they have in the team. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously in a much better position to to say how to use the talent they've got their option. But obviously, Catherine Bryce is another one mm. um, who is a very good all-rounder. She's been coming in at eight or nine um, at the moment and then kind of more being used with the ball. Um, but another player I'd say is someone who, although she's batting at five, um, is Heather Graham, who probably mm. I would be looking to bump a bit further up the order. She's looked very good um, when she's had the opportunity and often when she's been coming in, um, She's either had too much to do or too little to do. She's never kind of come in in a good situation. Um, so for me, the opening partnership is very top heavy. Like um, Rachel Priest and Samuel Johnson are awesome, but they both play 
the very the very same way, which is that they swing at absolutely everything. So you are either off to an absolute flyer or you are like 10 for two. It, there isn't really any kind of um, way out of it, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say Heather Graham is one that I'd look to push up a little bit in order to get that balance a bit more. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been interesting. There is the reliance, like you said, on a few players, um, but the depth, you would probably say, unlike a few of the other teams, isn't quite there. Heather Graham played quite a key role, actually, in one of their three wins. I think she'd made a 40 or so, coming in at number seven or six. As you say, maybe a bit too low for her. But I, I feel like, I guess my question, Jack, is do you reckon this is an issue in, in terms of using their resources or is this a, a, a deeper issue in terms of just recruitment, maybe? I mean, I don't say it's recruitment. It's, it's just the way they, they've set up to, to play their team. Um, for me, it, it, the, the women's kind of draft or, or lack of draft, the recruitment is done in a completely different way. Um, so you sort of had these slots and you sort of went, from what I'm aware of, you just went about it and filled your team as you wanted. So for example, um, Southern Brave were able to fill kind of the lower wage brackets with what you would call maybe a better quality of player. Um, because obviously Charlotte Edwards has quite a few contacts, you would say, um, in, in the kind of domestic circuit. She is been around for a long time. She's obviously kind of um, a very big figure um, as well. So her kind of contact pool, you'd probably say, um, is stronger. The likes of like Alice Capsi as well. Like she's someone who wouldn't have been available to everyone. And that sounds really stupid um, for, for a new team. But obviously a lot of teams are using their network. Um, and it's not to say that the, the players that have been pulled in aren't good. They are very good. But I just think the, the way it's been constructed, obviously the fact that they lost the first choice um, overseas players hasn't helped and the players they've brought in are good but perhaps don't quite fit to where all the roles that they, they they're kind of wanting to do because like Sammy J Johnson at the moment is doing a part-time job up the top if that makes sense yeah and it does feel like as Charlie mentioned a lot of other teams have better domestic calls for example uh, the Southern Brave have Lauren Bell uh, and Maya Boucher two really high class uncapped players in there and then also Sonia Odedra, who's played test cricket, I believe, on the bench. It, it does feel like some of these franchises have done really, really well in terms of getting local players and others have kind of been left to not take the scraps because there are good players there, but just haven't been able to get that kind of really high caliber players in there, yeah. which is a shame, I think. I, yeah, I mean, the players that have stepped up have stepped up well. Like, um, like Emily Windsor took a, a great catch. Um, and when she came out to bat, even Abby Freeborn as well hit her first ball for four to, to win the game when there was wickets tumbling against the Welsh Fire. So the players have stepped up. Um, it's just been interesting that the Rockets have had a pretty obvious game plan. Um, and they haven't really, you would say... Um, look to change that they've they stuck with their guns and to be fair it's worked like they're in and around um the next round and if if they win on win tomorrow and um, they do go through but you would probably say their team potentially is built a little bit better for away conditions obviously Trent Bridge spin helps Sarah Glenn at the moment is the only person um bowling a lot of spin mm. um so you say unlike the men the team is probably not quite as well built for playing at Trent Bridge um in, in that sense and it does also feel with the batting lineup, it's the same because you've got obviously um, Priest and Joe Johnson at the top who go hard. Siva obviously class at three. But as you say, sometimes they are going to end up 10 for two. And Catherine Brunt, great cricketer, not really built for a rebuild job, is more of a hitter at five or six. 
I don't know, maybe you throw Catherine Bryce up the order, maybe you throw Emily Windsor up the order, but is there a way they could kind of, I don't know, create a get a bit more flexibility there if early wickets go down, try and change things around, try to make it more balanced? I mean, Heather Graham would be the one that you'd, yeah. you, you, you'd, you'd bring in in that situation. But yeah, Brunt has walked out full regardless of... of um, of what situation? I mean, there was a little bit of flexibility lower down the order, but the top five um, has pretty much stayed the same um, throughout, regardless of the situation. I think if you look at a lot of the franchises that had a lot of success throughout, rather than kind of in um, specific situations, they've adapted. I think that's been the key to to any success in the hundreds that the batting orders have been very flexible throughout, um, and it's sort of something that you can see in the the men's team as well is that the batting order has been very um set in stone i suppose and rather than adapting they've sort of stuck with their guns and sometimes that's cost them but sometimes it, i suppose it has come off an interesting point actually you mentioned that i was thinking that myself uh, comparing them to the, their men's equivalents the Trent rockets both men's and women seem to be very very rigid they have a clear yeah. game plan and they're going to stick to it no matter what i'm not really sure that's the best way to go about it clearly it has won them some games but i i just can't help but feel like maybe a bit more flexibility is the way forward here yeah for sure i mean you do feel especially with the bat um when that sivers wicket goes that wicket is so important for that side um, because Rachel Priest is awesome and she is fantastic to watch, but she is always a ball away from getting out, if that makes sense. Whereas when that Siver is at the crease, regardless of who she is, is the game is like with the Rockets, they're always in control. When she goes, and especially in the way that she went against the Phoenix with that run out, you, you can see how quickly it sort of changes. Um, just the kind of mood and the feel, it's, it's very reliant on when Siver is at the crease it's calm when she goes it's sort of it's it's carnage very quickly i suppose but that is i suppose what happens when you do pack your batters um at, at the top of of the order now obviously uh the table is it's not really fully in their control i don't think for the rockets women's side uh they have seven points which currently puts them fourth in the table uh the oval invincibles women have nine southern bravery qualified with 12 northern superchargers also on seven so it's not completely in their control they might have to bank on the birmingham phoenix to um to beat out the superchargers uh, but this game against the Manchester Originals, who've won two games and have a 0.02% chance or something like that of getting in, is important. It looks like they're probably going to have to beat them by a decent margin to kind of help that net run rate. So it's going to be a crucial, crucial clash today. It'll be really, really interesting to see how they go. Do you think they're ready for that and set up for that? Do you think they're in a good position, especially given this game's going to be at home and they've struggled at home? Yeah, I, I mean, the, what I would say about... Um the women's team in particular is that it looks like a team that really enjoy playing their cricket together on the field um, and kind of off the field. They all seem to get on. It looks fun when, when they're out there in the field and when Brum took the wicket of Burma on the weekend, the, the mood was like good in the stands, but it was also very good in the pitch, like the celebrations, the players all kind of congratulate each other. Um, when Rachel Priest took um, a catch off, Sarah Glenn's bowling, like they both like hugged straight away. Like the celebration is kind of clear. They are all enjoying playing their cricket together. And I think especially when you get into these sort of matches and these sort of tournaments right at the end, that sort of camaraderie between the players um, will, will massively help. So it helps with 
all due respect to Manchester Originals, I know they haven't had the best tournament. They are a very good team, but it helps the fact you're playing a team that sort of doesn't have anything on the line, um, I suppose. And I would back them to get the win. And then it just depends what happens elsewhere, I suppose. Mm. I think the ultimate question, though, for basically any side in this tournament, it's one I have to ask. Do you think the Rockets have the resources to beat the Southern Brave in the final if they get there? Because ultimately that's that's the test for any of these seven other teams. Can they beat the Brave? Well, you would say that a team with Brunt, Siver and Glennon can compete, you know, and then you've got Rachel Priest as well. If Rachel Priest fires, um, there probably isn't a batter that is as destructive, I would say, in the tournament, maybe Danny Wyatt. Um, but Rachel Priest is very different. Like when she came off at Lords, she just took the game away. Like it was over, like the, the spirit were never chasing that. So I'd say she's one of the of the players that that can do that. And then you've obviously got Brunt. If Brunt takes a few wickets um, up top and then you've got Siver as well, if Siver comes off, like again, she hit 36 of, I think, 12 balls um, at Lords. So you've got individual players. I'd say they're one of the teams that has the individual talent to compete with the brave but yeah that side is it's stocked isn't it let's be real their stats they're already through to the final and well fingers crossed for you it'd be great to see the Trent Rockets in there let's move over to the men's team as Charlie actually previously mentioned they do I think have a similar issue with rigidity in their lineup they're quite rigid they don't seem to be very flexible especially in the batting lineup they are third in the table currently on eight points. Uh, they're going to have to win. I believe they're going to have to win their final game to make sure they get into that top three. But though, again, it isn't, it isn't really uh, completely consolidated. What have you made of this side? Because as Charlie previously mentioned, they're a bit rigid. That batting lineup of Hale, Shaw and Milan, which we thought might be a bit more explosive, just has been quite turgid in a sense. And even though they've won a few games, it doesn't really seem to have clicked yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it clicked at the start, you would, you would say, in, in like um, they, they beat the Southern Brave in their first match, which is a pretty good kind of way, way to start. Um, I think it was the first match, but it was one of the, the first two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of, I don't want to say they've been found out, um, but the, the game plan is obviously very much set for, for Trent Bridge, I suppose, isn't it? You think you've got Matt Carter, uh, Samit Patel, Rashid Khan, um it's it's very obvious what they're trying to do um joe root was obviously bowling a lot when when he was playing as well um but yeah it, 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 like charlie said that they sort of have again been stuck in, in in that kind of same thing with the batting lineup i mean watching rashi khan walk out to bat a is <laughs> you, there's yeah it's but in a polite way, it's just disappointing, isn't it? I suppose for someone who is, I, I've watched a lot of him at Sussex as well. And I'm like, just open the batting with him. I know it sounds stupid, but if he, if he goes first ball, it doesn't matter. Like just, just give him a free reign to just go and whack it and get you off to a good start. And then Milan, Hales and Short can come in and kind of build slowly. It, it just seems such a waste. Like he hit his first ball for six, um, over point and it was like this extraordinary like flick of the bat when everyone else was struggling to find the fence you just think why is he coming in when like the game's over it, it, it's it's an interesting one I think yeah I think there's a big debate to be had about that top order actually because on paper as we discussed prior to the tournament starting you think Hale was Darcy Short and Darwin Milan you think that's going to be really good really explosive he's, he's a great it yeah it should be on paper but it just isn't there does seem to be a very deliberate plan that those guys are going to bat deep and just 
kind of knock it around and take it as deep as they have to. And it just seems so strange when you have players as naturally destructive as Short and Hales have been in the past. Mm. I don't get why they're asking Hales to take it deep. It's such a strange decision to me. I, I never really want to bring up actually with their backing lineup is the fact that they're so insistent on sending out Lewis Gregory against the spinners in the middle because we know that his his spin hitting is not that good. I believe that the ratio, the disparity even between his strike rate against pace and against spin is on the largest ever in T20 cricket. Yeah. So why do they insist on sending him out on the spin zone? I just think... For me, the biggest issue with the Trent Rockets is that they have a lot of good resources and they're not using them correctly. I don't know what you make of that, Jack, but that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, Lewis Gregory is obviously um, captaining a side that, although he's obviously Somerset, like has a lot of um, not players in it. So obviously that dynamic is quite interesting anyway. Um, so he's obviously l- using the experience you'd think of like Mullaney, Samit Patel, Hales, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting one for him to go out. I mean, he hasn't bowled much as well, which I think is another one that's quite quite interesting. I would say you, me and Ed had this conversation at the start of the tournament. Like, is he going to be a captain that over bowls or under bowls himself? Um, but yeah, they they sort of have become stuck stuck in their ways, I, I suppose, in that sense. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, Lewis Gregory is, is one of those players as well. It does feel like they just haven't got the the, the batting isn't just, it isn't based on their strengths basically. So Stephen Mullaney and Sam Patel have been really good this tournament. I think they've played really nicely. And then when you have the likes of Lewis Gregory and Rashid Khan down the order who are finishers, and I personally wouldn't send Rashid Khan out to open. I think he's such a good finisher. You leave him there. You know you can have that debate, whatever. But when you have two good finishers, you have those Sam Patel and Stephen Mullaney, two really experienced guys in the middle order. I don't get why they aren't just telling Alex Hales to kill the game within 20 deliveries. Yeah. If Hales goes out there and hits a 30 of 10 or a you know a 15 ball 40, he can do that. And he might do it a couple of times tournament if you tell him to. Then you have Samet and Stephen Mullaney coming in when the game's basically already won. You know they're going to win it for you because they're that good. It just feels like it isn't working. I think, to be fair, Darcy Shaw is holding it back in a sense as well. I, I know he's probably under orders not to be as aggressive as usual, but he's not looked the player that they thought he'd be when they got him for 125k. Yeah, I mean, he he's an awesome talent, but yeah, he, he's another one that hasn't quite, you'd say, fired or he's sort of, he had a very good start where him and Milan like knocked the runs off very comfortably, but that was quite what you would say a regulation chase. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of teams in general have prioritised not losing wickets in the power play. Um, I think that's just something that people noticed after the first few games. If you lost, I think it was like two or three, your percentage of winning just shot straight to the floor. But yeah, I think when their lineup is so deep, I think they can play with a bit more freedom. I mean, obviously a lot of the bats that they have have been left in the shed and you think in an 100 ball game, there is there is no excuse to be finishing in a situation where, I mean, even Matt Carter can hold a bat. I mean, he showed that as well in, in that chase. And they they have got out of jail. I think they were six or seven wickets down for 50 odd um, when they somehow kind of rescued victory against the superchargers. So the batting depth is clearly there. I think they can just go a bit harder. Yeah, Rashid Khan at eight is really explosive. Great finisher. I think he's just loads of fun to watch. He's just not getting a chance to yeah. finish, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, Luke Wood at nine has two first-class hundreds. I know yeah. that doesn't necessarily translate to teaching cricket, but he can hold a bat. Matt Carter can hit sixes. 
you're right. They're not going at it hard enough. It just feels they aren't really using their resources correctly with the bat and not being explosive enough. Yeah. And as you previously mentioned with Lewis Gregory, it feels like they're also leaving cards on the table with the ball because their domestic seam attack, I think they put out Tim Vanderhooks and Sam Cook a couple of times. Yeah, and Luke Wood's gone with injury now. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. So they're having to play Vanderhoekton and Cook. And that's be generous. They're good county guys, but that's a weakness of their side especially when you have Patel, Carson, Rashid Khan on the ball. But rather than bowling Lewis Gregory or Stephen Mullaney, who's also a good operator, I don't know how much his COVID cases affect his ability to bowl, I don't know. But it feels like they're leaving overs on the table there and over-bowling their domestic seamers, which is their weakness. Yeah, and it's obviously difficult because the team, you can see what they were trying to do in terms of the set when you look at the team at the start. Wahab Riaz was going to come in at the end, and he did it against our my brain is gone in the match that he played and took four wickets. Um, Oval, right? Yeah, but he just came in and bowled 10 at the death. And it was what you would say is probably one of the best examples of, of bowling at the death. Like that, that's his role. And in the 100, you have this awesome rule where the 10 ball over can be used for you to just chuck to your best gun death bowler. And the Southern Brave have done that so well where they're just leaving Jordan and Mills to the end to basically force teams to go hard. And, and I suppose that was the game plan you think you would have Rashid Khan and Samit Patel bowling with Matt Carter in the middle overs and you'd be having to go hard because you're knowing that you're going to have to face 10 from Wahab Riyaz at the end. Martian Delano like, is able to do that but you'd probably say he's a little bit more expensive and doesn't have obviously the left arm option that Wahab does. Um, but it, he's again another awesome player that's come back. Um, so yeah, I think they've been a bit unlucky with injury slash um, visa problems and stuff in that sense which has probably seen them rely a little bit more on the domestic core than they would have probably liked to. Sam Cook can bowl it. Sam Cook is definitely a much improved bowler. I've seen him bowl Ed's, a lot. Ed's, Ed's laughing at that, but um, <laughs> I know. Cook, I know, Ed Charlie. You can you can make your point about Sam Cook in a moment, but I noticed this the other night. I know his slow balls have improved, but he only bowls two paces. He has his normal delivery is eighty mile an hour, and his slow ball that's sixty eight mile an hour. There is no other variation. He just, it's, it's, this, it's either it's one pace or the other. Uh, I, I think that I know he's performed well so far. I'm sorry. I think he's going to get found out at some point. Charlie, go ahead. I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying he's a much improved bowler. Yeah, he is, he's he left. Is, he is. He's, he's joined up with the Trent Rockets coaching staff and he has improved a lot. I've seen him bowl way too many missed Yorkers at Essex. When I say missed Yorker, I mean like by some distance. And his figures have been decent in recent years, but that is mainly because I think the standard of batsman he's been playing against in the blast just can't handle the difference in pace. This is obviously a higher standard, a different level. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get found out at some point. He's done all right so far though. That's that's just my point. He's improved. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's sort of he's in a in a position as well where when you've got um Marshall Delau running in from one end, Rashid Khan from another, he's one of the bowlers that opposition are going to look to attack. Um but yeah Marshall Delau has been an awesome signing from kind of what you would say from nowhere. He took the first fiver and I mean, I don't think you would have found anyone that would have been saying Marshall Delano would be taking the first fiver. No, one thing I will say actually about Trent Rockets is that they seem to have this insistence to bowl one of their slightly weaker seamers at the death when they have Rashid Khan available who can bowl at the death superbly well. I'm just, maybe that's an option they should consider in my opinion because I feel like leaving that to Delanger and Van der Hoogten or Sam Cook just seems like a bit of a weakness. I think that's an area where they, that could be very costly in a game one day. I think Rashid Khan is a much much safer bet, in my opinion, and that's that part of the game. Yeah, it's also interesting. I mean, I know I'm taking it in, a, in another direction in terms of them using their squad. Um, they've also got 
Luke Wright, who hasn't played yet, um, which obviously a bit of complete Sussex bias. And I suppose, obviously, the position that he would bat in, you would either lose um, Hales or Short, which, let's be honest, they're not going to do. Um, but it's interesting that we're talking about maybe a lack of squad depth, but they've got someone who has been in very good form in, in the blast as well. And not, he's probably not going to get a chance to show it in the 100, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but it's just, again, an interesting one where they they filled a gap in their squad with a player they probably didn't need. Um, and they probably could have filled that that slot with someone who could have come in and, uh, and picked up another bowler, if that made sense. I mean, I know it's more injury cover, but it's sort of like, a, it feels like a bit of a waste to have someone of his talent sitting on the bench when you have enough op- options to, to cover for it. It does, it does seem worth mentioning briefly that I have picked up Sonny Baker from Somerset as an injury cover for Luke Wood. Now, he probably won't play. He's very young. I don't think he's played a single T20 uh, professional level yet, but he's a very promising talent. It's interesting that I picked him up. Uh, he won't play, of course. Yeah, he's good. Uh, what I would say then, if we're talking about the way they've constructed the roster, I think there are certain mistakes the Rockets, both the men's and women's side, have made. I mean, looking back to the 2019 draft, Basically, every team drafted their first three overseas within the first four or five picks. And so by the time it got to the Rockets, I think their 75k pick, only two overseas slots were left. And they picked up Nathan Cortonaro in that 75k range when his base price was 60k. And they could have just waited three rounds to sign him. And, and no one could have taken him because there are no overseas slots left. I feel that's just an initial mistake they made. And you add the Luke Wright one in, which, you know, Luke Wright's a good cover, but feels like they're wasted. And I do think it's another kind of one of those missed opportunities where a team doesn't really understand the draft process and it's hurt them. But back to that point of Rashid Khan bowling the death, would you be more open, Jack, to try and get more Stephen Mullaney in the middle overs, maybe give Lewis Gregory one up top, and then that leaves you with Rashid Khan of the death? Is it that feels, or as Charlie says, a better strategy? Yeah, I mean, that's probably what you would you would say you would look to push without Wahab in the team. I mean, Marshall Delang has bowled very well um, at the death, but he's sort of um, someone who has started bowling um, in the middle overs and has been used sort of to, to break a partnership or pick up a wicket when you need it. I mean, he is just so quick. It's, I, I, did, I wasn't expecting that. I will be perfectly honest with you. I don't think anyone kind of watching it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll, be su- I'll be surprised if they don't try something. I mean, it, it seems... Um, like the the trajectory that they are on says that they're they're, they're going to narrowly miss out on on qualification. I mean, the the rained off match could end up costing them, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but yeah, like Charlie said, they do seem stuck in the way. So I'd like to see them give that a go. Yeah, for sure. I think it'd also be quite funny to have Martian Delanger bowling five and then Stephen Mullaney bowling five. Because I might be the biggest differential in pace bowlers in like world cricket. You yeah, know, or, from like Martian steaming in at like six foot five, 90 plus to England's response to Rajat Bhatia bowling his 55 mile an hour off cutter. Kind of it would definitely speed. have to be like Delanger first and then yeah. Mullaney like coming up to him and taking the ball off him. I think that would be <laughs> my, my favourite thing. Just being like, yeah, you've done the fine leg, mate, and let me show you how it's done. <laughs> You hold the team this way, you get a little bit of nip around at 60. (laughs) But no, like Mulaney, Mulaney was awesome. I mean, he took, he dropped a catch and then he took probably one of the, one of the best catches we've seen so far. Um, I couldn't quite see it because of the way Trent Bridge is, is structured, like from where we were sat. Um, So it was just under where we were sat. Um, But yeah, it was an awesome bit of fielding. And he's another one who has had so many, um, 
great moments for like knots and on the domestic county circuit it's great to see him like have this platform to to do it to like a wider audience if that makes sense like performances like his although he lost and potentially didn't get the traction it probably deserved we're still talking about it i think that's what's been really important with this tournament is the fact that because the fixtures aren't um kind of laid on top of each other you're not having six blast games going on at once everyone's watching one game and everyone's talking about that Mulaney catch or, or that Finn Allen six from from last night or Liam Livingston's 50 so we're all talking about what, what's happening rather than kind of chatting about what's going on I know when us a lot talk about cricket as well we obviously all support different counties so often even though we're all watching cricket at six o'clock on a Friday we're all watching a different game um, so it's quite difficult to actually just have a chat about cricket um, whereas with what we found with the 100 is that you're all watching the same match you're all talking about the same moments um, so it's given cricket that kind of um, not that county cricket doesn't have a communal sense but obviously I feel like with the 100 once you've got past kind of people's problems with it I've really found it's been awesome just to watch a game and everyone just chat about it it has it has and this is how you create superstars this is how you make household <laughs> names no I'm like maybe it sounds hyperbolic but I'm, I'm going to stand by it because like if if someone like you know Steve Mullaney for example if he puts in a good knock you know yeah. uh, and there's nine other games happening no one cares because someone else has definitely done something more for sure I mean like someone like Will Smead who I'm now all aboard the hype train of last night um, like if he did that knock playing for Somerset people would just go yeah cool small boundaries at Taunton what was the bowling attack like in the blast and you just wouldn't have the respect on that knock um, whereas he's come in now and smashed like 36 off 12 bang he's on he's on TV everyone's writing about it there, there will be franchise franchises across the world IPL Big Bash will be watching that knock and they might not draft him this year or or for three, four years, but they will have his name on, on their contract. They, there will be discussions about Will Smead and players like Will Smead. And, and that, especially when there is a general feeling globally that county cricket isn't the highest standard, um, that can only be a good thing for like English players going forward and, and developing those players going forward because the opportunities are just going to open up. And when Will Smead comes and eventually plays for England, which I'll happily put, um, happily say that he will, like, when he has, when he gets to that level, and he he's played so much time um, in likes of the big bash and stuff, that can only be a great thing for for English cricket going forward. Yeah, and this is a good point because Will Smith has done this quite a bit for Somerset. I think he scored seventy or thirty on debut in the Blast against Gloucestershire, and no one cared. Like it was just a footnote, really, in that week's roundup. It was just a footnote. And he's doing exactly the same thing now, and everyone cares. This is the difference that this tournament has made, and I think it's great. Absolutely. And let's finish off back to the Rockets for a moment. They play the Manchester Originals tomorrow, the men's side that is. They need to win it really. How confident are you going ahead? Because the Originals haven't been fantastic, but they do have a good spin attack, which would suit Trent Bridge. And they do have you know, an aggressive top order that could take a game away if they do decide to bowl Tim Van der Hooks and Sam Cook early. Yeah, it will, it will be a tough match. Like, I mean, what's been great about this tournament is that there hasn't really been um you would say i mean maybe the welsh fires but we we know how they've been impacted by losing johnny Bairstow and stuff but the teams are are all able to beat each other so that's what's made the tournament really interesting and a lot of franchise tournaments have a little bit longer group stage which means that by this stage um 
their league is more spread out. Whereas because they're only playing each other once, except for the local rivals, the league is so congested going into these final few matches. So it becomes really interesting. Like the majority of the teams can qualify. Um, so yeah, I, I would back them to get over the line. They've got enough experienced heads that know what it's like. I mean, you look at the team, they've got Alex Hales, Darcy Short, Rashi Khan. Um, then you've got um, alongside Alex Hales, you've got that Nottingham core that, that know how to play and know how to win at Trent Bridge. They know how to, to win matches. I mean, Stephen Mullaney said um, they're like three games. They win three games on the bounce. They win the competition. And that, that's got to be the attitude going into um, the match against Manchester Originals. Absolutely. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's been a real pleasure. No worries at all. Love the pod. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast 100. We've got loads of clips there, loads of different stuff going on. So make sure to follow us there. And please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to know what you think and uh, it would really help us out. So thank you very much for listening to the 100 podcast and we'll speak to you next time. (laughs) 